Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business. Well, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Atkinson. What do you think is the difference between an ordinary keynote and an epic keynote? Well, some of the tools that I think you can use to make your speech epic is stories and humor. And we're going to be talking about both of those today with our special guest expert, back by popular demand, Ms. Kelly Swanson. Welcome, Kelly. Hello. Nice to be here. Hey, everybody. Hey, what is it about stories uh, that you think helps people connect with your content? Um, Good question. I think stories allow us to illustrate our truth rather than just tell people what to do. So they're persuasive in a way that has an emotional impact versus a data dump. Stories also allow you to be more authentic for your audience. Um, I think what we want to try to get away from are presentations that are so perfect, canned, and polished Mm -hmm. that we don't ever connect to the speaker. And so stories allow you to become human. And we all know that we're salespeople on that stage selling whatever that truth is, content, whatever. And the first rule of sales is that people buy from people they like. And so stories allow us to become likable and to develop trust. So they're, they're more important than many of us give, it, give them credit for. You know, and we're not always the hero of our stories, are we? Like sometimes we, we goof off on ourselves and we uh, bust ourselves on our own foibles in our stories. Don't you think that that's kind of charming when people use self-deprecating stories? Oh, sure. Sure. For the same reason that when you walk into a party, nobody wants the one who's up there. Look what I did. Don't I look great? Check out my abs. Let me tell you everything I did. We don't like people that brag. Life is perfect. Life is perfect. And and they can't relate to that. And it is charming when you're showing that you're human and that you've been there and that you understand what they're going through. That's what self-deprecating humor is. You know, you're not taking yourself too seriously. And sometimes speakers can come across as being too high above the audience, I guess, for lack of a way to, way to put it. We don't, we want to kind of be on that same, that same level uh, with the audience. Using the word hero, Jane, is interesting too, because to me it has a lot of people say, but Kelly, I'm not supposed to be the hero of my story. I've been told not to be the hero. Mm-hmm. Well, in some cases, hero means the one who saves the day right. and swoops in and do it. And, and, and that, can have that negative connotation. That can be pompous. That's what we're talking. That's where it's kind of braggy. Right. But in other areas, I look at hero as just the main character of the story. The okay. hero's journey is not a, is is just about the one that main character can relate to. The hero of the story. So for all those out there who've said, "Well, I can't be the hero in my own story," you can certainly be the main character. Just try not to always be the one that saves the day. Try to be the one learning the lesson or the one making the mistakes and having to overcome them. Right. One of the things that I love is when people talk about themselves as a team. <laughs> you know, when people are accepting awards, it's, uh, I oh, it really bothers me when someone says, 
me, my, and I, and blah, 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 you know, my team of characters uh, who were in this movie with me, my team, that feels kind of arrogant to me. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, it's not really your team. It was the director or whoever put together this group of people. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. we have to really watch out for that. Um, so I kind of want to put you on the spot here uh -oh. and, do, and do a demonstration is it appropriate, could it work on a podcast for you to tell a, a small version of your Chub Rub story? Because I just think it so illustrates what we were just talking about. Okay, that's so not fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to make me go into a story and I'm then so... on the spot to tell to nobody. Okay, well, let me see. When you can't see them. But being the speaker, we can always do that. So I'll step into it and I'll not perform it, so to speak. But um, I assume you want me to go to a funny part of it? Yeah, yeah. Like, so um, just, just tee it up and tell us what the Chub Rub story well, is. Well, it, it's all a story, a si silly little true story about being at a very important event that I thought was going to change my life, and I buy sequin pants. And to anybody else, that might seem cool. But to me, if you can't see me, I'm a little on the plus side. And so... <coughs> I buy these pants and I try them on and the first step I take, I'm in the bathroom right outside the ballroom. The first step I take, my thighs start crunching together when I walk. <coughs> Sorry. Now I'm getting myself all choked up. Let me take a sip of my water. <coughs> I'm just going to laugh while you. Yeah. While I take a sip of water. Yeah. Laugh at my... I'm totally putting you on the spot. Here. I know it's okay. So anyway, I'm, I'm stepping into these pants into the most important night of my life. And I sound like I'm walking on gravel, like I'm chewing, like you've dropped a fork into a disposal. <coughs> I'm sorry, Jane. That's okay. Anyway, there were two words I failed to take into consideration when purchasing those pants. Chubra. Now, some of you are listening are like, I don't know what that is. Well, bless your heart. If you don't know what that is, that must mean you're on the skinny side because us plus size girls know exactly what that means. Because <laughs> chub rub is when your thighs rub together when you walk. It's a thing. It hurts. They got a lotion for it. We even have our own club. It's called the Chub Rub Club. And I have t-shirts made. I'm out, so you can't get one right now. But the t-shirt says Chub Rub Club, where thigh gap is for losers. <laughs> So anyway, that's it. That's as much as I'll go into it. But Oh my gosh. And so I'm, you know, here's my question to our listeners. Can you picture that? Can you hear that? You know, and she demonstrated, it demonstrates it so beautifully during a presentation. And I think part of what makes me laugh is your facial expressions and, I really love that you are not a hero in this, if anything. And, and you know, the story goes on to you. Remind me how the story ends. Well, it, it, I ha it comes to a defining moment where I have to decide whether I'm going to leave this event or whether I'm going to stay. And I make the decision to stay and to walk through that room of important people who could influence my life and my career with pants that are squeaking with every step and sequins are jumping ship left and right. And people are like, where's that noise coming from? I'm like, it's coming from my thighs. Apparently down there, the party's already started. And it's that it becomes a lesson 
about having the courage. And of course, the story turns out. And by the way, I've put it on YouTube, Jane. So many people love it that it's it's called Chub Rub Girl and it's on YouTube. Okay, we're going to put a link to it in the show notes so you can see the whole thing. And it's live so you can see what it was like watching me do it. But it turns into a lesson, as every story should. I knew it was going to be a funny story, even throwing myself under the bus. I knew it was going to be funny just telling it and acting it out and, you know, going through the motions of that night. But then I was able to, as we should do with all these stories, figure out, well, what's the lesson here? Mm -hmm. And the lesson here, and I'm still even massaging it a little bit, but the lesson is that success doesn't always come. um, uh, um, Well, let me make it even more base. A lot of times we think we don't look the part. Mm -hmm. And the lesson was because a very nice thing happened from that event. And I actually got an opportunity uh, for being exactly the way I was. So anyway, you really have to, under, when I knew the story in the beginning, I really had to define the lesson. Otherwise it would have just been a funny story and people be like, what's the point? So right. I like where it goes. And, and that is something that I think is just a really important thing to write down is that you have a great story. What's the point? And it really has to come back to your master thesis of your speech or else it just doesn't belong. And, and wouldn't you say that letting go of story, I mean, how many brilliant stories that made people laugh have you had to give up? Oh, right. Yeah. Well, and it, it depends on the audience. I mean, the, the, well, of course it depends on the audience. It depends on the um, client and what they've asked you for. And if they've asked you to be the after dinner speaker and you've got two hours um, or you're at a workshop all day, then you know you have a little more leeway to to play around a little bit more and make your stories a little longer. But you're exactly right. If they've asked me to do a keynote on strategic storytelling and I've got 45 minutes, then I have to start making some decisions about what stays and what goes. So. Right. Gotcha. I'm watching your dog behind you. I'm oh, he's Zoom. awful. Can y'all hear him? He is like, first I'm coughing. Now the dog is like, he just totally bit my butt. Oh. While I, just- <laughs> I kind of saw you look down and I thought, oh, that's funny. I wonder what the dog's doing because the dog doesn't like it when you're on. He does not like it yeah. when I'm on here. And everybody listening, I know this is not very professional. I've only had the dog for a couple of months. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's asleep now. Or, yeah, or he's or back asleep. I can, I'm keeping my eye on him. And he's All right. Thank you. <laughs> mine, is, mine is upstairs with oh, uh, good. our bookkeeper who's up in my husband's office. And so uh, he's happy right now. But I totally get it. And you know what? Working from home, this is what we get. And, this is uh, the life. This is the dream. And if I put him outside my office, he will simply throw his body against the door <laughs> and cry so loud that, uh, so anyway, it's all see good. Now, see, now this is, to me, is fodder for future stories. Yes. And about, let's turn this into a lesson. Let me yes, let me take a moment real quick. Okay. Because what we just did here on a podcast, we totally, well, we're not even following a script, so be afraid, but we totally came off script. We were talking about what happened in the room Um, um, and, and me coughing a little while ago. I mean, we could have said, let's redo it and script it out. Those moments, uh, comedians call it putting yourself in the room. Mm 
mm-hmm. when you do something that really lets everybody know you're fully present. Yeah. As speakers, we use, I used to be afraid of that, that if we come off script, if we say one thing, now I look for places to do that. I'm going to love it if something happens in my audience or I can turn, I actually plan to look at somebody and go, oh, where did you get that sweater? I love that sweater. Audiences love it because they know you're fully present. Right. It's okay to be natural off script. And, and I'm going to tell you what, you talk about your dog and now you've just made friends oh, with about half your lovers. audience. Yeah. The dogs, uh, exactly. There's other yeah. people who love dogs. Um, and I think that we do need to have a plan. What if a cell phone goes off? What if the fire drill starts? You know, what if there's a medical emergency? We need to have something in place for that to happen. And you can do it with grace. You can do it with humor. If it's something that isn't life-threatening, I bet you have had lots of, tell us some things that have happened to you that have been like, what? Well, um, I, thank goodness I've never had anybody have a heart attack, but I've had friends who've had that happen in the room. Wow. So you do need to be prepared for an emergency. Mm-hmm. Somebody has a heart attack, the lights go out, there's a fire drill, you know, and basically you have the microphone. Your job at that moment is not direct. to perform. Your job is to direct. And I'll tell you something somebody told me recently who went through this. She said, um, who was it? I think it was Linda Larson. She said, the best advice I can give you is tell somebody, point to a person and say, you call 911. Yeah. I was just thinking that you can't say someone call 911 because 500 people will all pick up their phones and start calling 911. So you have nobody will. Or yeah, nobody or you have to direct it to the meeting right. coordinator or the person in charge. Right. And you're the one with the microphone. So yeah. this is going to be your job. You don't just yeah. wait for somebody else. You've got it. So that's yeah. an emergency. Yeah. And we often think about things like that. Other stuff, what I do is uh, the first thing you need to do is just address it. Yeah. Just it, when something happens, the lights go out. I mean, you don't have to have a funny line. I get tripped up because I'm trying to go, oh, what would be funny here? No, just just right. don't try to be funny. And just address it. Now, if you're comfortable, you probably will just say something funny, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're not trying. Um, and then when I do, I remember it. Uh, one time a photographer, these photographers will get right up on you. So I'm sitting there speaking and they're like, it's like paparazzi. And I made a funny comment or said, don't get my butt in that one. Or I'm making love to the camera. And it just, people howled. And then I remembered that. Right. And I have done it more times than I every can count time. every time I right. fell off the stage once I didn't fall. I leaped off the front of the stage uh, about out about four feet and down about four feet, luckily landed with my knees bent and all these things are running through my mind. And I, I landed on both feet. I stood up, put my arms above my head. Like I had just perfected the perfect dismount. <laughs> and then I said the line that I had been waiting to say for 15 years. Cause I heard somebody say it in an SA meeting. I said, I will now take questions from the floor. <laughs> so you can get those funny little beep. Whenever a phone rings, I say, hold my calls. And it gets a laugh every time. And oh sometimes I'll even, it'll even be something just off the cuff. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, don't try to, people listening, don't try to be funny, but yeah. just address it. Just have fun. You know, I had two cases, one where the hotel staff came and moved my lectern while I was speaking because I had said I wouldn't need it. So they waited till halfway through and the guy's rolling the cord and he doesn't speak English. And, you know, and then I had another case where another bar guy brought me a glass of water in the middle. So you can have a lot of fun where you just look at the audience like, 
Really? Describe the one where the lectern's moving because you have a story about that. Well, that's what I'm saying. The guy comes up, he literally rolls up the cord and moves. He's like Tim Conway in the Carol Burnett show. If anybody, he's shuffling along with his little cummerbund in his suit. He never broke uh, stride, never broke character. It was his job to move that lectern and roll it back. And he did. And finally, I just looked at the audience and gave him this motion like, I'll be right back. Put my microphone down, helped him roll up the cord and he moved it together. And then he bowed at me and I leaned down and bowed at him and he shuffled (laughs) off. I picked the microphone up. I could have said anything then, Jane, anything. And I just said, I got to do everything around here. (laughs) That's not a funny line, but just the audience, just they're waiting for you to recognize it. And so they kind of want to know, hey, I see this, I've got it. And it it relieves them because they're feeling anxious for you. And another tip, Whenever there's a distraction in the room, and a, a normal distraction, somebody's getting up, sitting down, and I can see their eyes all going to look at that person, I will move to the opposite side of the stage. It's like yeah. I'm bringing the conversation as far away as I can and bringing all heads away from the distraction. That's oh, okay. a trick I do. It's very helpful. Okay. Interesting. I'm going to change the name of this uh, podcast to Spontaneity stories and humor because I feel like that's a really important thing that we need to be spontaneous. We need to address the elephant in the room. Everybody's thinking it. You need to say it and don't be afraid to say it. And I love that you can handle things in such a brilliantly funny way. Now you think funny, like talk talk about that a little bit. How can we start to think funny in our own lives? And I'm glad you went there because it's, it's very hard to be funny off the cuff. That was the biggest challenge I had in my business was I was naturally funny, but getting up and doing it on purpose is a completely different thing altogether. And, and it wasn't, it took a lot for me to learn how to write funny, how to have little lines that were going to be funny, how to make my stories funnier. But the biggest, um, the biggest thing I had to learn how to do, and this is going to sound weird or whatever, is to be comfortable is to feel safe and to have fun with my audience the, and, and to not try to be funny, just be fun and happy. And, and the humor will find its way in. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I, I, I tell that. people all the time, I'm in a constant stage of trying to figure out how to be comfortable enough to on stage to trust for the real Kelly to just come out. And part of that is being prepared it, part of that comes because I know my speech, I know my content, I know the order, I can do it backwards and forwards. It's not just memorizing it, it's I know what I know what I know. And you can't be off the cuff when you're too busy thinking about what your next line's going to be. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's lots that runs to this, mm-hmm. but I think you said something about giving yourself permission to really be who you are, to step into, because most of us, are fun people. We right. just maybe don't think of ourselves as funny people. And I love that you're saying, you know, be, you know, make it so that you and the audience can have fun because if you're having fun, it will just roll off. And I've been learning that for years now. You know, the first speech I ever gave, I'm sure I was so in my head about it. It probably wasn't fun for every, anyone, but I did give a lot of good value, right? So it was way heavy on the value, probably very light on the fun. 
And um, I just saw a movie uh, on Netflix called Dumplin' with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, I love that movie. Wasn't it precious? It yes, and, yes. And, and I love that that they said, find out who you are. Oh, shoot. Now I can't remember the line. It was something about find out who you are and then go go be bold about it. It was something to that effect. Yeah. But when it comes to our our stage presence, I do think it's about finding out what your personality is. Everybody's got a personality and exaggerate it. There's some people who they're very left brain, they're OCD, they're very unfunny. And I always say, play on that, uh, uh, you know, build that into your shtick or whatever yeah. as, a, as a speaker. And I'm not telling you to go act, um, but you're just kind of playing up your personality when you're having fun with the audience. And so I'll exaggerate, you know, my facial expressions or, or whatever. Um, you're kind of really just figuring out who you already are. I think the best speeches are ones where we feel like the speaker is talking to us across their kitchen table. Mm. Or I'll always say, like, you're at girls' night. Or tell me, not like you're some person on the stage above us, but make it conversational and, and, and that's kind of what we're talking about in all of this is just having the courage to just be conversational. Now I'm a scripter and I like my words and I like where I put them and with humor, where you put them matters, mm -hmm. but at this, but, but we need to feel like that's you up there. And so let your per, let the real you out, unless you're a jerk <laughs> and unless, <laughs> be you unless you suck <laughs> and then go be somebody better but, but and be careful if the real you cusses a lot or does something that yeah. you know you have to censor sometimes I have to censor myself because the real Kelly would say something not appropriate but. yeah yeah so we need to uh, have some there are people who make big dollars who can get away with that. But most of us mere mortals will not. And right. so we just steer clear. And I have to censor myself sometimes too. Um, so, okay. I, I really love where you're going with all of this. Take us through the process. Let's say you want to write a new story or you, you talked about being a scripter. Let's talk about what that might look like for you. Would you just say off the top of your head, write it all down once and then start going through and mining it for where you can use better words or do the good words come to you right out of the chute? I mean, well, everybody's going to, yeah, sorry. Everybody's got a different process, a different creative process and there's no right or wrong. Um, and there are ways that work for them. I used to write out the whole speech and it was this wall of words and I would hope I would get there and then I'd go through it all and it was just so overwhelming. And then I started, came at it from a different approach and I started making everything modular, um, everything in five minute chunks and then I could see it and move around the pieces and, and whatnot. Um, in writing a story, I used to write it the way it was supposed to be read. I would wait for the muse to strike. Now I have to create the material on purpose, but I would wait till I get inspired and then open up a piece of paper and, or a document on the computer and just start writing and hope it would go somewhere. Right. Many of us still do that. We write with that piece of our brain or whatever that filter is that writes something that is meant to be read. And that's why it's so hard to memorize and so hard to say mm. when um, it was easy for me, easier when I switched my process and just started focusing. I mean, I would write in bullet points and an outline format instead of 
every word going from A to B. And I would write the way I talk. That was the biggest shift was I would start to, when I'm crafting that story, I would write it the way I talk. And with each, I would start with just scenes or fragments. I have a story of Ethel, Ethel in the nursing home. And I'd say, you know, telling stories on Tuesday, hot in there, 400 degrees, furniture, 50 shades of mauve, shrink wrapped under disgruntled plastic. So when the words and images that would come, I'd write them down. And as I was, as I write a story, I practice it. Now that's very different. I am actually practicing the lines as I'm writing them and to thin air or to, to my chair. And I think, no, I wouldn't say it that way. And I practice how I would say it in a conversational way. So the story's being written the way I talk. Some of my stories now, you when I'm through crafting it, mm-hmm. you can't read it because there it's not all the words aren't filled in. I don't ever have to write it for you to read it unless it's going to go in a book, in which case I will use a different set of eyes than I did for the story to be told. Is that is that, is that helpful? That should free up a lot of you that who are thinking you have to have a long Oh yeah. Bullet points, write it the way you talk. I love that. I think that gives people a lot of freedom. Um, Let's talk about when you enter the stage and um, the first words that are coming out of your mouth. Uh, Do you recommend that people use something that draws a laugh in the first little bit so that they change the dynamic of the room or. Okay. It's certainly not a bad idea. It's a good idea. And and I will hear people say, somebody told me I'm supposed to be funny right away. Now, of course that works. Uh, In comedy, you want your best joke last and you want your second best joke first. And if there's anything you're going to plan out, it's the opening and closing of your speech. Those are the two, just like a conference, they're the two most remembered moments. In your speech, they're the two most remembered moments. So you want them to be powerful, which is why you don't want to open with uh, or, or close with Q&A or talking about the cord or or with banter, with, with chatter and banter. Thank somebody later. Thank them five minutes in or 10 minutes. You want control over the open and the close so that it really, just like the first page of your book needs to pull in an audience in fiction, uh, so does your speech. Um, that's why humor is such a, a, a great thing to use because it's a great, easy way to do that. It also accomplishes some other things. Mm-hmm. It makes you human. It, it, it shows everybody what this is going to be like. Um, uh, so it, it, it achieves a lot of purposes. But if you don't have a funny opening, there are other ways you can start powerfully. I'm, sometimes I start by talking to myself in a mirror. Now I have some jokes woven in. I like it when we can, the opening of a speech, in my opinion, in the first 10 to 15 minutes is just like the opening of a sales presentation where you want everybody to, you want us to get their buy-in, set up the reason you're here, tap into their pains and desires and get, and and, uh, really getting their buy-in is the main thing you want to accomplish right away before you go right into the data. It's here's why this matters. Uh, And that's what, what most speakers skip. They go right to here's what you want to know when they haven't gotten everybody convinced that they have this problem yet and that they want an answer to it. And so a powerful opening can be any way you want to illustrate this need 
for what you're about to teach. For example, I was helping a woman with her speech and she was talking about being stressed and busy and having a lot to do. And so I said, why don't we take your day timer? This is when everybody had day timers. And I said, let's write down, you, you walk in from the back, let them call your name. You come from the back reading from your day timer. And we wrote a whole list and all she had to do was read it. It was not hard. Yeah. Take out the dog, go, go feed the dog, walk the dog. Cause nobody else will walk the dog, go <laughs> make lunch, come back. Cause you forgot it. And we had all these funny comments. We also had a, it was a women's group. It was like, yeah. a, a, so we also had do your kegels and then <laughs> no, come back and, and sorry, men, but don't go look it up. <laughs> so she comes from the back, reading the list, gets up on stage and, and the audience is, you know, she's got them in the palm of her hand and she yeah. closes her day timer and she says, so anybody ever have days like this? Yeah. That's what we're here to talk about. So she wow. found, I love finding so different good. ways. Isn't that, there are many creative ways and you do something like that, man, you busted out about half your competition because most speakers aren't looking for a unique even if it's coming from a different side, uh, sitting somewhere on stage, I've come up singing before. That's weird. I don't recommend it, but. <laughs> oh, you're so brave. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, okay. We've talked a little bit about humor. We've kind of talked about ways to open and, and what you're saying is have a powerful opening and leave any kind of like, thank you. It's a nice day here in Minneapolis, blah, blah, blah. Leave that to later. If you have to use it, it's probably not relevant anyway. Um, so what about if you have a story that like kind of really tugs at people's hearts? What if it's like overcoming cancer or something like that? Can you make something like that? funny? Okay. Well, to answer your question, no, I would recommend you don't make, and let me, let me be real specific. You do not make the topic funny, uh, but you can, you can bear, uh, you can tuck humor all around it. Um, and it's quite easy to do. And in fact, your audience needs that. Yeah. Your audience needs comic relief. They need to not be raked over the coals. They're in their own cancer stories of who they knew. They're in their own death stories. They're in some dark places. And yeah. so I think we're required if we're going to take them down to have some way to bring them back up. So you can have humor all around it, okay. but, but you don't want to make the topic itself funny. Right. Um, always, but you can, but in some of those situations when it's your story and humor was a way you dealt with it, then um, I don't see that there's anything wrong with it when that's the way you dealt with it. We just have to, we're in an uber sensitive um, yeah. uh, atmosphere these days. You have to be very, and that's the hard thing about humor is whatever you're making funny. I don't know. People are more, you could talk about it. Nobody's going to say anything. You have a joke around it and now people are going to have a problem. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So just be sensitive not to actually make, you know, what might other, what might other people might be feeling about it. Let's not make that the joke, but it's something that you do personally. That's your story. And you might've in that moment of getting a diagnosis or whatever this tragic moment is in your life, you may have responded with something that was like, what? Let me give you an example. Okay. And by the way, don't wing it. Yeah. When you're into something like this, you need to work on it. You need Craft to get feedback it. from people yeah. and get their opinions. But I have a story about um, uh, them finding a lump. So I go to the doctor, have my mammogram. They find a lump and they ask me to come back. 
So I'm telling everybody about this, you know, this, this, this scary experience, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but I said, you know, I have a, um, okay, sorry, dog is, <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. No, no bark. Mommy on a podcast. No bark. No bark. I'm going to let okay. it roll. I know, right? You are. You are. Because this is going to be the makings of a funny story. Max is going to have more fans than me. No bark. No bark. No bark. No bark. Okay. I'm sure they're not supposed to growl at me or cry. No cry either. Mommy's on a podcast. You want to be a wealthy speaker? You be quiet. You listen. Okay. But anyway, and I made a joke. You're fine. I made a joke about, he doesn't like me telling stories, by the way, that he's not in. Oh, I see. Um, I made a joke about how in the time I'm, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awful. What could happen to me? Blah, 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 blah. However, I could probably get more bookings from it. Right. And so I was like, well, wait a minute. If you think about it, think how many cancer events there are. And I had worked up this whole story and this is the truth of how much more successful I was going to be. So it became a story about how I turned it all around. And I go in, the truth, Jane, I go in for the, to find out I was okay. And I had already written the first chapter of my book, my life with cancer. (laughs) And he goes, okay, you're fine. I was like, what? But I've already started my book. So that's, that's an example, not really well done on the phone or on a podcast, but that's an example of how you can bury a joke right in there because it's what you were thinking. Uh, when people say, how do I add humor? The easiest way is just tell us what you're thinking or tell us, have this narrative that runs through your head that you say out loud, as long as it's clean and appropriate, that's a great way. It's a great way to add humor to a story when there wasn't any, you could say, I know, right. And make uh, some side comment. Well, I don't know if y'all can tell, I'm pretty sure you can from some of the content that uh, Kelly's delivering here, but I have seen her in action and she is just a story genius. I have loved, loved, loved. We had you into Toronto to our Accelerate Live event in September, and we're having you back by popular demand to our event Accelerate Live 2019. It's happening in Florida, February 22nd and 23rd. And Kelly does this hot seat coaching. So you'll get up, and how long did we give people? Five minutes. Five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you do five minutes of feedback and my goodness, it was amazing some of the things that you told people to try to test and see yeah. if it worked for them. Mm-hmm. And I saw people really go, um, you know, maybe their story was a 7 out of 10 and it went to a 9 out of 10. Really, really, really great work. So um, I want to just tell people a little bit more about Florida. Uh, this event is if it's anything like last year's, it's going to be epic. We have Kelly Swanson coming in to do uh, storytelling and humor. We have Neen James coming in to talk about intellectual property and systems for your speaker's office. And Phil Gerbyshek is going to do a deep dive on social media. You know, our pricing is quite low. Our early bird price is six ninety five. That's good until January 7th. And I hope that you all will uh, check it out. We'll put the uh, link to Florida in the show notes, but also uh, you can go to speakerlauncher.com and click on events. What did you want to say about that, Kelly? Can I, can I make up, can I say something about that real quick? I'm, if I'm allowed, I'm, I mean, of course you didn't give me permission, but I'm going to say it anyway. 
um, being part of your event was magical. Um, it, and I have to admit when I come to some of these things, I'm like, I've been there, heard it. I've been in this business, you know, for 15 years, what more? And I came away so inspired. I forgot I was one of the presenters. I came away <laughs> so inspired and charged up. And, um, anyway, it's just anybody listening, put it on your calendar. It should be a no brainer. And, um, and our hot seats, yes, they're going to be magic. People say, I can't believe how one little word could have made such a big difference in my story. And also, I got to give a plug for the lineup. I know Neen and I know Phil and I, I, whoever else I know that it, be there will be phenomenal. But that is a, you've really assembled a, quite the cast of um, rock stars. So for that. I just wanted to tell her, she didn't ask me to do that. So sorry, but <laughs> I had to put you, in Kelly. my plug. Well, listen, I want to say thank you to you with all of our little things that were going on there today. <laughs> now we're my making, dog goes to sleep. Now he's quiet. <laughs> making it through the podcast with us today, talking about spontaneity, stories, and humor. Kelly, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. This is our second time doing a podcast together, and I see many more in our future. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. You're most welcome. And, and for those of you listening in, uh, make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss any gems like this one. I hope that you've gotten a lot of really great ideas. Uh, leave us a review and a rating. And uh, so we will know that you're appreciating our work. And with that, we will say, see you soon, wealthy speakers. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speakers Show. Please visit speakerlauncher.com for your free wealthy speaker audit and visit speakerlauncher.com forward slash podcast for show notes and many more resources to help you catapult your speaking business. See you soon, wealthy speakers.